Hello, my name is Alexa McGannon, and today I will be your host of the James Gomez podcast. Make sure to follow James Gomez on all social media platforms, including his new TikTok account, where you can find him at James Gomez SG. Dr. James Gomez here with me today to discuss key questions around the use of social media in the upcoming Philippines presidential election campaign. Our discussion today will place a special emphasis on the role of the social media campaign being run by Bongbong Marcos, son of former Philippines dictator Ferdinand Marcos. Dr. Gomez, what do you think is the role of social media in democratic elections? Social media, especially in a democratic electoral system, uh, is a necessary tool of campaign. So you can't dismiss it. Uh, It will form a necessary campaign tool. Uh, Once again, I emphasize in a democratic environment because in less democratic uh, environment, there may be censorship or rules in place that may put some limits in the use of social media. So so I think uh, if you're talking about the Philippines, then you know, what has to come to terms and accept the fact because your electoral landscape, you know, is broadly made to be democratic, whether it's in practice, but at least in terms of, you know, its framework, then the use of social media will exist necessarily uh, in an electoral campaign. So, and I think this is what we are experiencing now in the Philippines. Does social media propaganda play a big role in elections? Oh, very much so. I think we've shifted from the traditional negative campaigning where you speak ill of your uh, of your other competitor. Uh, now you speak well of yourself, uh, but a, a lot of it is fake. Um, you know, uh, and everybody does that. I mean, that that that's the reality. You know, uh, it, it is becoming a tool um, uh, as part of the election. You know. Uh, communication uh, campaign uh, uh, toolbox, uh, and everybody uses that. And, and I think that the thing that can guard us is, you know, things like media literacy, common sense, and also uh, ethics among the players um, who use these tools, you know, it's a complex mix. Does social media depict an accurate picture of political climates? It's part part of the whole uh, you know, political landscape because social media gives you a, a, a fragment because the media landscape is fragmented. So we no longer have mass media, we have niche media plus echo chambers. So uh, you need to you know, include whatever you see on social media as, as part of a reality, but not the complete reality. So that's why you know, other ground to ground support the traditional campaign, the relationship that one has with the community and the branding. At the end of the day, you know, strong, positive branding that any candidate or party has built up uh, will stand them in good state uh, when it comes to the ballot box. How do populists utilize social media for support and political dominance? So, So populist leaders or campaigners generally use social media, especially when they are allowed to do so in in a uh, democratic electoral system, to mobilize support. 
Now, in order to mobilize support, they in particular need to mobilize the support of the majority. So here, this is where it becomes interesting. Uh, what variable will they use to mobilize support? Populist leaders often use major the majority variable. If I can give you an example, if we look at India, the Modi's government uses Hindu or Hindu nationalism as a mobilizing force, uh, the rhetoric of uh, the Hindu nation, because over 80% of the Indian population is Hindu, so they can mobilize. In Myanmar, uh, uh, the variable is Buddhism, so that is used as a mobilizing force. Or uh, in Malaysia, Islam is used by competing parties uh, as a mobilizing force to capture the votes of the dominant group. In societies where one cannot cut the dominance either through ethnicity or religion, uh, they may use a policy. So for example, in Thailand some years back, the popular healthcare policy of a 30 baht, uh, you know, which is like a one US dollar health insurance, uh, uh, public health policy to mobilize voter support. So populist leaders use a majority variable, whether it's ethnicity, religion, or a policy that cuts across all communities to mobilize support. And they pump it through social media because social media is one of the largest uh, uh, platform uh, through which, you know, uh, you know, political mobilization, not necessarily for elections, but even for, you know, protests and others takes place. In the U.S., citizens say that there was not enough airtime for Donald Trump. And currently in the Philippines, Marcus Jr. supporters say the same thing. Why do you think citizens come to this conclusion and present this misinformation despite the presence of Marcus Jr. in the media? I think part of it will be political strategies to, to, to paint your, your candidate as a victim, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so um, so it, it's a good tool, even if it's not true. I mean, and, and that's what, you know, social media is all about. It's a great outlet for disinformation. And if you are getting this information, you know, <clears throat> about the elections or about media, mainstream uh, media representation, again, that is consistent about uh, the kind of trash uh, that we, uh, we see during electoral periods uh, globally. And, and uh, here, I think um, a certain amount of media literacy uh, and also media ethics is important uh, to keep the elections clean and fair. Uh, and, I, and I think that's what um, uh, the electoral campaign needs. But I will go one step further to say um, this in no way, uh, in my opinion, because we are in early days. We, we just come to the beginning of February and we still got a good few months. You know, uh, looking at, you know, uh, the Philippines elections, um, um, I, I recall, uh, you know, the last election, uh, you know, um, your, your, your recent um, vice president who's uh, also running um, <clears throat> in the current election, I, I recall her name is Lenny. I remember that she started with a very, very low percentage count, you know, in the last election and amazingly crept up 
uh, in good numbers uh, towards the end. So I wouldn't rule out, in spite of the hoo-ha that you have over social media, that if you run a um, you know, consistent campaign, <clears throat> you know, um, uh, regularly, consistently, cleanly, uh, you have a good chance of increasing uh, uh, your numbers. And from, as an observer, you know, uh, uh, glancing a lot of what uh, I see over social media, if I go past the noise uh, around the uh, Marcos Jr. camp, I do see a strong and steady silent march, if I may, uh, of uh, your vice president, Lenny. And, and I think she can, you know, quietly, you know, creep up and spring a surprise. So uh, that's the reality of social media. And, you know, for me as an observer, it's very, very interesting to watch uh, what's happening uh, uh, right now in the Philippines. Why do citizens follow Marcus Jr. despite the candidate's father being a dictator? Uh, we need to um, um, divide, let's say, the electorate, for example, since we are talking about an election year in the Philippines, uh, along generational lines and memories. You will find uh, young people, and this is not unique to the Philippines, of course, or, or, or to any particular political experience, Young people uh, only have memories of very, very recent histories. Uh, and they consume a particular type of media. So older people, depending on their you know, uh, lifetime experience, will have different memories. So, so in the Philippine case, it'll be probably uh, the older people who have been involved in, for example, the People Revolution with the Aquino era, will be the ones who will be more familiar uh, about the uh, Marcos senior regime and all the challenges uh, that had posed for the people and the struggle uh, on ETSA 1, 2, and 3 uh, in the run-up to having uh, you know, a more open and democratic Philippines. So the younger generation who consume a different type of media, which mostly social media, they can be socialized differently because they don't have memories of the previous Marcos regime. However, if the same information goes out to the older generation, uh, it will be very, very difficult to re-socialize them to new memories. So there will be resistance. And I think it's this mixed bag um, and the generational narratives uh, that the Filipino public, whether they are the voting age or not, that creates this you know, complex tensions uh, that we are seeing in this election, especially around a polarizing character as uh, Marcos Jr. Marcos Jr. is being dubbed as a social media king, similar to Duterte during the 2016 presidential campaign. Do you think that there are any similarities between their social media campaigns? I, I think the term king is it's a little bit premature because that's usually kind you know when you capture the crowd then you know you start to reign right. I think the Duterte's campaign was very much Facebook heavy, uh, but I think uh, uh, at the present time you know the Facebook is really an uh, older generation of social media users. Um, I know Twitter usage is quite low, but but uh, TikTok 
is important. And you know what kind of messages are going out on TikTok, I think it's very, very important and whether the political campaigning is also taking place there. So I, I think um, the, the difference between Duterte and, and Marcos Jr. is really to, to, to kind of outline what kind of social media platforms um, are being used and what's the difference. And I would see with Marcos Jr., really reaching out to the younger generation uh, is important. Here, the one thing that is often not discussed uh, when you talk about you know, the role of you know, social media or the internet in the Philippines elections is the role of the professional public relations officers. Um, either they are the small or large PR consulting firm or key PR consultants who are getting um, you know, uh, work businesses in order to push out these messages. And I think part of understanding the um, Philippines electoral system and campaign is to unpack the role of the PR professionals. How much money are they making? Uh, in the past, you know, five, 10 years ago, when you're talking about, uh, you know, Durtarte in the run-up to the previous elections, uh, we were talking about the physical submission of messages on social media platforms like Facebook. We've come a long way in these last few years to using AI and other mechanisms, bots, uh, to amplify these messages. So I think a more sustained look at the breakdown uh, is important. So the role of PR consultants and the proxies uh, that do that uh, would give us a better understanding of uh, the role of social media in the Philippines elections. And I think the Philippines people and the electoral authorities may, may negate the democratic framework of elections per se in the Philippines. Are there strategies that Marcus Jr. copied from Duterte's playbook in 2016? Nothing significantly to me jumps out, uh, uh, apart from recognizing that social media, it's important. Uh, social media is important uh, not because one um, negates the value of uh, the mainstream media. Um, you know, there are reports uh, that say that uh, Marcos Jr. is not getting you know, access to, to, to mainstream media. But part of it is also his non-engagement at times, uh, especially with the recent, you know, presidential, uh, the debate among the presidential candidates uh, with uh, uh, Marcos Jr. did not participate. So, so one is of his own doing, uh, strategic or otherwise. But it also, uh, you know, testifies to the fact that mainstream media is watched by a particular tier of any population in any country. They tend to be older. Uh, whose political views are already very much set. Uh, so the middle ground where you, 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 you will want to shift is usually the new voters, the younger voters. And if you have limited resources, and resources are always limited, uh, you want to spend them correctly to persuade. And, and I think that's what the communication advisors uh, 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 you know, shelling out 
in terms of advice uh, to the various candidates, you know, Marcos Jr. included, and that's why you see a disproportionate presence um, uh, on social media. And I, and, and I think perhaps, you know, the voters and your viewers can also consider thinking through how much of those support is real as opposed to the role of, you know, bots and trolling, uh, which is automated, uh, that has come more significantly electoral uh, campaigns uh, globally. Why do you think that Marcus Jr. cannot be seen as a social media king compared to Duterte? I don't see, I mean, although the, the, the elections in the Philippines, um, you know, are personality-based, but as a uh, you know political scientist, you know interested in technology uh, issues of governance and political participation, what what I see is the maturity of the social media landscape. And you know, I would probably dub you know the Philippines you know current as a social media election. And, uh, and, and, and I think it's, uh, it's also a fragmented social media elections because social media is not homogenous. You know, you have Facebook, you have Twitter, you have uh, um, TikTok, uh, you have, you, you know, you have WhatsApp groups, you have Telegram, you have Signal. So all of this, you know, forms the social media platform. So. It, it, it's, it's about, you know, everybody, you know, engaging on these di different uh, forms. And I think it's the result uh, that will tell us, you know, um, who is king or, or maybe queen, you know, uh, of social media. Yeah. So what factor is missing to give Marcus Jr. the title of social media king? Yeah, uh, because we, we are doing a prediction. So, mm -hmm. so we, we, we uh, and of course, you know, uh, Bongbong is, uh, you, you know, the front runner and all of that. But, you know, I, I, I've observed enough elections over the last years to know, you know, that means nothing, uh, you know, when you've got so many months ahead of you. Um, so, so I would be, you know, hesitant to, to crown anyone king or queen at this stage. Uh, but um, but just to recognize, you know, um, we still will have to wait for the election, uh, the final results and the aftermath of the elections, because we don't know what kind of contestations um, we will have to deal with post-elections. Because across the world, and especially in our part of the world, in Southeast Asia, we also have to deal with the post-election dynamics. So the election, the social media campaigning, all of that is not a done deal. Uh, once you cast the ballot, there is the post-election drama that we will have to also, you know, cater for as an epilogue or, 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 or series two. Yeah. Although Marcus Jr. has over 50% of the population supporting him, why can we not conclude that he will win? I mean, at, at this stage, we, we don't know what other issues will come up. Mm -hmm. you, you know, at this uh, stage in time, you know, uh, we'll have to look at the surveys, the methodology of surveys, who's participating in it, you know, how uh, inclusive are they, all of that. So uh, it, it is, you know, not easy to be conclusive, you know, and, and I also want to caution that in, in the current play of the electoral cycle, 
and not unique to Philippines, but also globally and regionally, it doesn't end. The election cycle doesn't, and it continues post-election. So there's a whole lot of drama afterwards. So this is just one part of the process, you know. Um, you know, who, whoever's, you know, um, popularity vote is high now, it will drop. Yeah, yeah. So uh, early days, yeah. Why is Marcus Jr. standing out amongst the other candidates? Well, I, I think he has a historical legacy. So the branding is long term. So there's a lot of, you know, cross-generational uh, name recognition. So I think that's the strength uh, of the brand, uh, whether you like it or not, uh, or one way or another, you know, it's a long-standing, you know, uh, you know, Filipino name, historical name, and, and it's likely to stay moving forward anyway. So, uh, so that's why, you know, it, it has a very, very uh, strong, you know, early showing. Um, and, and the fact that behind that is, uh, you know, also Duterte's daughter as well. Um, so that gives it a bit of a booster uh, for now. Uh, it's um, how much, you know, uh, what is the, the other campaigners can, you know, chip away uh, from that, uh, if not build themselves up in the next few months. In the end, your public will decide one way or another whether they are manipulated by social media or not. So um, I, I think the key concern many observers and you know Filipino friends um, uh, have is really um, the concern around manipulation. You know that the fact that the social media is being used as an instrument for manipulation, and I think that's what most people detest. Uh, that they, you know, even if they themselves are not manipulated, but others are being manipulated, they feel helpless uh, in terms of, you know, stopping or negating the manipulation. And, and, and that's the cry out we seem to, to be hearing in, uh, the, in, the, in, the, in this Philippines elections. What can other candidates tap into to help them gain more support among the Philippines population? I think they they will have to, you know, it's a question of resources, of course. So I think they will have to, you know, apportion some of their resources to social media. Uh, and also, I think uh, uh, the, the, non, the offline activities as well, you know, the meet and greet, uh, uh, rallying, um, you know, uh, groups, communities, professionals uh, to speak. You know, word of mouth is very, very powerful. That's the best advertiser. So I think, you know, uh, for, you know three to four months is good enough time um, uh, to do that. I think if, if they have an Achilles heel, it would be resources uh, to, to pump into those kinds of uh, common sense campaigning efforts. Okay, that is all of my questions for you. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Gomez, and sharing your thoughts on social media and populist leaders in relation to the Philippines presidential election. Don't forget to add Dr. Gomez on social media and follow up with him if you have any questions regarding this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Alexa McGannon. Thank you for listening in with us today.